Yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? It's been a, a, a brief spring break over here. Kauji, welcome back. Man, I mean, I don't know if we could call it a break per se. <laughs> it definitely wasn't a break. We definitely, we were, we were, we were grinding for sure. But uh, we've got some announcements coming out later uh, this month and, and, and over the coming months. But today we are back on the show. This is the NFT QT show. Uh, some people are watching the video. Some are listening to the podcast. And for those that are just joining us, they might not know, but this show is brought to you by the NFT handbook. You know, this is the book that changed all of our lives. Why? Because it took us countless years of lived experience and, you know, a couple brutal months to, to put it all together. But for those that want to learn how to buy, sell, collect, or get caught up on digital economies and, and how you can create digital scarcity through NFTs, the NFT handbook is available everywhere books are sold. You can also get the audible book on, and you can listen to it through an audio if you'd like as well. So I want to get into today's topic of the show, which I mean, Ryan, we're, we're coming back with like you know, a pretty big bang. Definitely. I mean, a uh, huge opportunity. I think that there's uh, something to be said about, you know, airlines getting into NFTs and just, you know, yeah, flying into the metaverse, if you will. I mean, think about it. Like if airlines did get into NFTs, you would think that like, you know, all of their rewards programs would just be reimagined, right? Because now finally you don't have to give me points that don't mean anything. You know, credit card companies might you know, be disincentivized, just give you that that hundred thousand miles off the rip that is really only six hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, they won't tell you that. Uh, you know why? Like the, the the show is actually going to be near and dear to me because on the marketing side, you know, if you've ever worked with me in any any marketing fashion, you might know that I always like uh, put the, the airlines and their loyalty programs on like the marketing pedestal because they'll get the smartest people in the world to do the dumbest things uh, through their points. And, you know, there's a company that's looking to not just change that, but reimagine air travel as we know it, you know, bring some of those luxury services that, you know, you only can experience if you, you have like, you know, phone numbers, but in your bank account, you know what I mean? Right. For sure. For sure. I think, you know, We'll preface it before we bring bring the fellas on that, you know, this is a real company. The NFTs are a part of it. You know, this is a real company they're building, though. Yeah, and they're taking time out of the skies to be here with us. So, <laughs> and they're not in disguise. Like, you know, a lot of the NFT Ooh. people we brought on, you know, they have these anonymous names and characters, but that's and not it. Look at the wordplay by this man over here. Hey, man, you give me a break and I can, I can actually make something happen. So <laughs> with that being said, today we are joined by Jonathan Evans and John is it Helms? Helms. Helms. Oh, yeah. All right. We both got it wrong. But uh, John Helms from Connect Air. Connect Air is looking to be the service provider for affordable and accessible private air travel. If you think of Uber and you think of Airbnb, you have the plane owners that own the planes. And you have the travelers that are the riders like Uber. Essentially, they put them together. You know, most startups, they come in a game and they say, I want to be the Uber for this or the Airbnb for X. And, you know, Connect Air said we're going to be it all and everything. So there's also a dabble of NFTs in there, too. So what's up, John and, and John? <laughs> Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you so much for having us here. Yeah, it's exciting. We got to thank you also for, for introducing us as a you know real company first that's using NFTs at this point. That's uh, that's important. Yeah. Uh, so so is it is it so give me a breakdown, like uh, just for the people that are listening, there's. Do we want us to call them Jonathan Evans or Jonathan and John or John? Like, 
but it could be a little confusing. We have Jonathan and John. Yeah. yeah, cool. We'll rock with that then. So, connected. Did we do a good job explaining it, or where, where are we at on that? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, I'll start with the, the supply-side Airbnb reference and, um, you know, sort of pick it up from there that, you know, I, I've been a professional pilot for three decades now and an air, airplane owner myself and, you know, an enthusiastic one, I'll say. And even I can't fly it enough to kind of really make it worth it, just like an ADU in our backyard for, you know, mother-in-law now and then it's a lot of spare bandwidth, right? Um <laughs> We, we basically, we provide a platform for those airplane owners of two very specific airplanes on our, on our network that we specify. This is the Cirrus SR22. I call it the Tesla of the four-seat trailer-driven category. This is a gorgeous machine, a real black car, air, air taxi. Okay. This is the uh, Pilatus PC12. It's pressurized turboprop that gets to go about 300 miles an hour with eight folks um, and can land and take off anywhere. I call this the sort of Dodge Sprinter of of our category, uh, Dodge Sprinter van, if you will, um, and both just amazing machines for un- unlocking uh, amazing adventures in 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 the sky. And there are a lot of owners out there that own these things because they're the right aircraft to own, and they're sitting in hangars eighty five, ninety five percent of the time. So that's where uh, we see we we start by building our network. And an important dimension that the metaphor doesn't actually catch is that we also have a uh, distributed network of professional senior pilots flying these things uh, to ultimately, yeah, the on-demand service that we all expect in these little supercomputers in our pockets uh, and giving you the ability to summon the magic power of uh, a small airplane flown by a professional pilot to take you anywhere point to point. I went to flight school. Uh, I never never took my test, but, you know, I was always, I... TBM seven hundred. Oh, yes. I, I was like, that's what I want. You know, that was that was my Tesla. Well, how does how does the plane you just described in the TBM seven hundred compare? Okay, okay, so um, so yeah, this 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 is actually a piston driven. This this is a Cirrus SR twenty two. This is actually the most popular sold uh, general aviation aircraft uh, in the category, and okay. and they they really did build a, a step change and in, in the category by using carbon fiber glass cockpits digital autopilots that are the envy of any airline you, you can fly, so you can fly that not only uh it's a uh, visual place or uh, vfr vfr and ifr yeah, that's right. IFR, so yeah. it's an all-weather machine right. um all-terrain we, we fly them through the through the rockies and through the west i've I've flown mine all the way up to alaska from portland where i live what, what was the in the fuel, like it, it's good on gas. I mean, it does fine. Yeah, about twenty gallons per hour is a good conservative number to go about two hundred miles an hour with our captain and three adults. It's like six dollars uh, a gallon, about. Uh, well, two hundred miles an hour at about twenty gallons. Oh yeah, it's about four or five dollars a gallon. Four or five dollars a gallon. Four or five dollars a gallon. Yeah, yeah. So that's not that's not too bad, right? Like, I mean, you know, it's like is that eighty? Is that is that like only? 80 bucks right on uh, gas that was a lot of different math huh? you know <laughs> i mean the operating cost of these aircraft is you know around 200 dollars or so when you put it maintenance insurance and all these things and they advertise it over a flight hour um that's it that, that's cool that's for our owners you know as as a managed concierge service and then we put them to work in those 85 95 percent days they'd be otherwise sitting in the hangar and we give our owners a rev share 
And if we fly the, it uh, on average an hour a day in commercial service on the Connect Air Network, then our, our owners actually break even on, on owning the aircraft. So a couple of things before we get into uh, NFTs, because this is actually very fascinating, not only as like a person to, that wants to understand the, how you connected to NFTs, but also the business behind it. Because everybody, you know, there's this rush on, on real estate and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go buy a, a property, Airbnb, live in like one unit and call it a day, keep repeating the process. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, that is a way of life. Uh, for this plane lifestyle, I mean, again, I have a little bit of unfair advantage because I, I, I was, I was in, um, I was doing my like flight lessons and, and thinking about getting my pilot's license. I then 2020 happened and, you know, I started in January and everyone knows the rest. <laughs> so I never caught back up on that plan or routine. I actually went, Oh, uh, we're going to get you back, man. We're gonna all right. Back. Well, let's let's do this. <laughs> I'm interested right now. I'm about to take my, uh, the drone, the drone test. So I'm part 107. Yeah. Part 107. So I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm getting, you know, I'm just figuring out the different classifications of airspace. You know, there's air class, class A, class B, all that. We're not going to talk about that, but <laughs> I can nerd out with you a little bit here. The question I have is like for the average person, let's say I just want to, you know, join Connect Air. I don't have my pilot's license. I don't know anything about aviation, but I can afford, you know, to buy a plane. plane and the planes that you mentioned, they're like, like, like what, sub 300,000? No, the Cirrus is about a million dollar machine. Oh, that one's that side. Okay. Like, you get used when it's down seven, eight hundred. That it, this, but again, we specify um, you know newer models onto our fleet, and we maintain them to what's called Part One Thirty Five standard. We're certified by the FAA to provide this trusted service. So again, the Airbnb or or you know Uber metaphors are are light with us because you yeah. have to take into account the idea that we provide something as trusted as like a Hyatt room night. On an Airbnb style network, if you will. got it, got it, got it. So that, that's, and, and that's why I asked the question, right? So it gives it a little bit of context. Now, you know, me and Ryan, when we first were looking at this and we saw the guest invitation, there was the question of uh, how the hell does Connect Air and NFTs come together? And so <laughs> you have this loyalty program that is almost reimagining what a loyalty program in 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 airline travel could be. Uh, it's not much different than me spending money on American, uh, American points or, you know, Southwest. And I think that like, it's, yeah, I think it's just, it's a cash. Well, I think I've introduced the, the, the aviation, we call it the on airline that we're building this, this on-demand distributed point to point network. Now you can see it's almost like a, a physical manifestation of the web three environment in a lot of ways we're right, going right. after IRL, if you will. Um, but I'll tell you where we've got into NFTs. I I've always been, after, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, at the journalism level of, of blockchain since probably 2012, I guess. Um, and, and, and seen the, the, especially, you know, the traditional asset tokenization space and, and where web three really can go as a marketplace, uh, as always fascinating, but, I was just a geek interested in it. And, and then the CEO of Connect Air building was distributed on airline. Luckily, I, I've got my head of product here in John Hilmes, who is uh, just a gifted architect in, in many ways. And, um, and he, he went after, you know, the NFT space with us. And we agreed that uh, we'll enter to become literate in a sort of crawl, walk, run flat fashion. And, and we know that the, the loyalty program space is a place that is uh, totally understandable and discernible right now. So that's where we're getting started. But we have, we have bigger ambitions with, with tokenization of, of, um, of what we do in aviation writ large. But John, it's his, it's his brainchild. So he's the one who gets to answer that question. 
so you have 5,515 NFTs that you're, you're putting out in your first cohort of NFTs. Obviously, you're going to have more members than that. But the people that are joining this special club, uh, if, you, if you say, if you call it, this loyalty program, how are you thinking about, you know, working with those Genesis users and, and how many slots are left? Uh, that's a great question. I have to look at the numbers. You know, it's not like an art drop where we're hoping to sell out overnight. This is going to be sort of a long tail of revenue for us. But um, just to double back to how we got here is, you know, I was watching the drama unfold around the Constitution DAO uh, attempted acquisition of uh, that artifact and was really impressed with the, the community and how it rallied around this cause. And also around that time, I think Andrew Chen was releasing his book, uh, The Cold Start Problem, about jumpstarting network effects. And things just started clicking for us because, you know, that's the problem we're trying to solve as well. You know, getting a, num a number of aircraft owners uh, signed onto our platform, a number of people excited about what we're offering. And so it was it, really... It, it, in the pause there, right? Like it, it's, it's a little bit harder for you than what Andrew laid out in the Cold Start problem. Because in that book, you know, he talks about how Uber just paid for uh, riders and drivers uh, on mm -hmm. both sides and just to get that engine going. Um, in your in your case, that would be a pretty expensive endeavor. Yeah, and so we're trying to do that by opening up our you know Discord community to our NFT holders and to our just regular uh, passengers who want to have a role in shaping our offering. And so, you know, we'll have uh, community input on things like livery, paint job uh, designs, naming aircraft, um, and then the different NFTs have different privileges in terms of voting rights. So, you know where we put those aircraft um, relative to sort of density of our community. So really trying to create a, a robust feedback loop with our earliest cohort of users. That's interesting because in a sense, you, you do like all of your users are going to have to essentially dox themselves. Like you can't really have an anonymous user base with this program necessarily, you know, because if they want to take a flight, they're going to have to say, yeah, this is my information. You're going to have to check them out, make sure that they're not necessarily you know, someone you don't want on your plane. That's right. Yeah. We've got federal regulations we follow about ticketing you and then flying you, um, you know, in a, in a, in the FAA regulated environment. And, and absolutely you have to, you have to bridge into being doxxed with us as we're a doxxed company, you know, offering the token in the first place that gives you these rights uh, to not only participate in our community and the way we grow that network, but fundamentally the, the top tier for three ETH comes with, one, it's a coupon, really. It's not directly a ticketed system and a smart contract yet, but let's foreshadow the conversation a little. Um, it's a coupon when you join the top tier of the club for one round trip on this machine with up to, we say six folks is a good number mm -hmm. for you to take at 300 miles an hour for a 500 mile round trip, right? And so three ETH, there it is. That's that, That'll give you an idea of what our cost and price point is. And Go to connectair.com. You can also play with our route pricing calculator there too. So yeah, so the, the idea is that the, the top tier of the three tier uh, NFT based loyalty program comes with a free flight and the middle tier comes with 20% off your first flight. So what we're doing is we're starting to um, not only offer merch and other cool and art and cool stuff associated with these tiers and, and, the, and, and the feedback loop of community that John talked about, um, but literally we're, we're starting to understand and, and sort of a literacy of how really the the tokenization and web three uh marketplace based system could become our ticketing system where you could ultimately be buying tokens of say seat mile value 
on our network. And when you want to make a, a change in a flight, you just exchange at the edge in a Web3 environment with other users that want to use that value. I mean, you guys are very forward thinking, not only in that capacity, but also like when you go to your site, you have an active fundraising event with WeFunder. Uh, it's not every day you see a company choose to go the Republic or WeFunder route, especially if you're statute, because you have to, you know, share your, you have to open up your books a little bit. You have to have a layer of transparency that isn't necessarily comfortable for an emerging company that has to play in a competitive marketplace environment, right? Um, what was the logic there? And I, I think, obviously, you really do believe in Web3 because that's also at the crux of what Web3 is, is this decentralization and, and, and the, there's a lean in towards transparency. So you're, I'm seeing it both in your actual business and then also in the experimental elements of your business of saying like, hey, can we, can we make this a reality? What was the, 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 the thought process behind that? Well, so I, I started um, my sort of first rodeo in, in tech startup space. Um, at first, I was a professional helicopter pilot for many years in the Army and then as an as a ambulance life flight pilot. So the ultimate sort of on-demand uh, analog aviation system that you could imagine point to point. Um, and, and while I was on standby duty as an ambulance pilot, I was able to start a company called Skyward. Uh, which was drone operation software, basically. And we we live the, the Silicon Valley satire is that, cliche. Is that like, is that bringing, like returning the, the drone to home or getting specific shots and mapping that? Like, well, ultimately computer. taking all of the rules of the road of, of, of what I understood as an analog helicopter pilot in, in the aviation infrastructure and condensing that into software that drones that could ultimately connect to to access the regulated airspaces of the world and, right. and fly as a network themselves was always the vision of Skyward. So I was able to raise the first responder DC for that in a, you know, the classic, like say the HBO series, uh, it just resonates with my heart, I'll say, having walked Sand Hill Road for eight years myself. Um, and, you know, we raised $8 million and we sold the company to Verizon because they shared that vision of a flying network of IoT. So I come from, and we did that in 2017, we sold it to Verizon. And, so I come from like the traditional VC route, as you will, right? Right, right, right. And, and you guys know that space really well. And, sure. and so when, when the Jobs Act of 2017 came out and offered really the sort of Kickstarter for equity that, you know, anybody in the founder role, especially at the beginning of the zero to one moment, is kind of craving. You wish that you could kind of take the friends and family notion and just be a little bit public about it, right? Go on, go on Facebook or whatever and say, hey, I'm starting a company. Um, so that's what, you know, the first that the Jobs Act allowed for, and they went from a million a year to now 5 million a year, you can do this way. And we look at it as ultimately a platform for community building. And community building is ultimately the capital of any, any you know, progressive company starting today, for sure. I mean, the human capital of, of who connects this network is the fundamental value of it, no matter how that value flows through the various channels that we offer. And you're right, we, we have built this sort of if you, you know, Web3 is the digital manifestation of, I think, a broader industrial movement of decentralization, human empowerment, and democratization, to use the, you know, the big illustrious yeah. words. And to, to fund the company from the outset in a distributed way felt very natural to us. So, and, so uh, and it's working, you know, it's, it's wonderful. So I love that because you're, you're not the only company in, in town that's attempting to do this, right? Like, you know, there's one that caught my eye. It's called the Winding Tree. And what they're trying to build is this decentralized travel marketplace. Uh, I mean, Connect Air, the Winding Tree, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but like there seems to be uh, a frequency that is at play right now where everyone that's in this travel space is saying, 
the model that exists is not going to take us to where we need to get. Why is that? Well, I think a lot of the loyalty programs that you mentioned earlier are, are opaque to the end user and they're changing the terms on the back end. And so by doing this in the blockchain, uh, transparently with community input, you know, it's just a great way to, to get everybody involved and give somebody something of real value. And I think folks are excited about the utility of these NFTs now beyond just the art. And so we're hoping to lean into that. Do you ever think that like the technology that powers like air travel, like the logistics behind it, like Saber, for example, do you think that that'll ever get uh, decentralized in any way? Well, I guess the foreshadowing that I, I mentioned earlier is has arrived. Um, yeah, absolutely. If, if, if you can, if you can basically let's, let, let's use the, the token, tokenization the smart contract to ensconce the value of the flying on our network right so ultimately we say butts and seats moving miles right and uh, and and so like that you can, you can distill the speeds and the different size cabins and the distances they fly and the prices they fly at all into that one unit economic metric right how right. many what is my my price per passenger seat mile and if you say okay um we, we we're actually converging on about a dollar per passenger seat mile of both aircraft to give you an idea dollar dollar fifty right now Oh, wow. so a thousand miles, it's about a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars per seat in either of our aircraft. That's pretty low, though, right? What's that? That's pretty low. Well, yeah, it's about two orders of magnitude more accessible than private jet charter is today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and even before we get to sort of the network effects of of, of building a network in the first place, and then having software smooth out a lot of the lumps, if you will, uh, of the supply and demand curves. But you guys are just attacking it at a different level, right? Because I mean, EasyJet exists, and then there's like JetSuiteX, and like you know, they're offering a very similar uh, package. Package, right? Say. So when you can you take this sort of theory of the 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 ensconced value of being a passenger seat mile, right, 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 and it can flow between different aircraft. It could flow between different operators in this this brave new world, right? It could be exchanged between different operators, right? I see, I see your master player. You're going to go to all the FBOs and say, like, look, I've got a better way of doing this. Well, you said Sabre, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a centralized system of ticket exchange across. So when you're, you know, when, when it says, let me get that code and I can look on another carrier, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like antiquated central exchange that is agreed to through a lot of regulated market for sure. to, to allow that exchange to happen. It's not a bad thing, Sabre. It's just not information age. It's not Web3. And if you look at the, you know, some of the tech available to us to do the same purpose, it becomes much more elegant, much more frictionless, and much more direct marketplace. But for obvious reasons, I don't want to knock Saber because I think that like what's crazy about Saber is how archaic that system is, but how quintessential it is to our contemporary lifestyles. Like I think that Saber is the definition of future thinking technologies, like that had an idea. And was that the 60s or 70s? I don't remember when it was. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I yeah, think well, yeah, so the mid-1900s, the, the mid, the <laughs> yeah, mid-1900s, you have like, uh, like Sabre come to life for the plans. And like now we still in 2022, we are still like pretty much reliant on that software. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of regulating the inertia there too in the exchange. And I mean, the Deregulation Act of 1978 had a, a lot of uh, effect here in the system that we live in today. And again, I, you know, what I say with Connect Air is we stand on the shoulders of giants. Like, sure. I come from aviation infrastructure. I originally flew Army Blackhawk helicopters since I was 20, 20 years old. And and I've just, and I've flown in a bunch of different professional capacities. And I've, 
as a geeky pilot, I've always just been a little bit underwhelmed on behalf of, of William, uh, Wilbur and Orville and, and even Da Vinci himself about what aviation's kind of become. Right, right, it, right. it got too inertial. It got too ensconced and it needs, it needs this information age upgrade. And so when you, you build a, an airline from scratch, you get to do it from governing principles and the tools that are state of the art and available to you today. And, and we go to the FAA with those tools and, and then they ensconce those now in our, our regulated inertia. And, and we have a new networked aviation system. And we're coming up on, uh, on time here, I know, but I, I want to take us to an entirely new dimension because you have been a pilot and you guys have been working in, in, in aviation for a while now. The metaverse. Uh, you, it seems like you guys are up on the Silicon Valley uh, uh, nomenclatures and terms. And so I'm going to use another term here in addition to that. Matthew Ball, who's a, a prominent VC and formerly ran a strategy at Amazon Studios. Uh, it has been going all in on metaverse, but he has this theory about Microsoft's flight simulator being like, you know, the, the perfect metaverse uh, per se, because it's a near perfect digital twin um, of, you know, a virtual world replicating the physical world. I think it's an interesting theory for sure, but as, 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 as a company that lives between both worlds, you know, what, what excites you about the metaverse given that, I mean, you would theoretically be the experts of the current contemporary's best metaverse. It's an interesting duality there, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'll give you a doxed uh, sort of middling answer towards the full meta, metaverse view that is exactly in your example. So when we look at our network of on-demand, very senior captains that fly these, these aircraft, that's really where the trust in our network comes from. Um, the FEA, as they should, requires us to put them through a training system that keeps that gets them first qualified to fly the aircraft, but then we have to keep them current at flying the aircraft as well. And that's a good principle of safety in general, that you want to be fresh as a professional pilot on, you know, mitigating risk at all times and being very, uh, yeah, just very uh, on your game, let's say, right? right? And so the FAA requires a certain amount of that currency, you know, that you, be, you fly, you know, basically so many takeoffs and landings every 90 days. You may remember in pursuit of your private pilot license, um, things like that. The truth about currency is that it has much higher fidelity than what the FAA regulates and, and like these sort of break line rules about 60 or 90 days of currency and this type of aircraft are really blunt. And when we look at it as Connect Air, we start with our, you know, building our safety and training system um, from, again, governing principles. And the idea of currency can become um, available to us in a democratized price point in a thing like Microsoft Flight Center, right, where we can now provide a certain level of sort of certified flight sim in any of our pilots' basements or attics or wherever they're allowed to, to level and, and have that system. And we can require things like, hey, before you fly into Telluride, which is a challenging approach, we want to see on your profile in our network system that you did fly on Flight Simulator, on Microsoft Flight Simulator, you know, at least three approaches there. Yeah, uh, within a week before you take this this flight on your itinerary, if you will, is Microsoft Flight Simulator good? Like, you know, it is. It's excellent, and it um, it it does reach. There are certain versions of Microsoft Simulator that re reach the lowest levels of um, what are FAA certified simulators, and so you can actually check off certain tasks, even FAA standards, before you get to that more artful idea of it's good enough, definitely to keep somebody fresh on what that approach into Telluride is to make them much safer. 
right? It, it actually does do that. It is actually a good enough simulator to do that, you know, procedural simulation. I'm not a pilot. I've played it a few times, but is it like the weather, the wind, all that stuff's pretty accurate as to what's happening in the real world or how, how do they, what's the hybrid there? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I haven't played it much myself. I can't say in the modern era. I uh, just recently did and got, got blown away, I'll say, because like I was flying over Portland and, and it, it was indiscernible to me. It was, at, it was at night and I was like, that's what it looks like. If I, you know, I did this in VR, it would be complete. And uh, so, so then there's a level above Microsoft Flight Simulator, which is the like what the airlines, like the carriers and like the actual, I guess, institutions like yourself, you have like these cages that you put pilots in, right? Like what, what are those? Yeah, so that, that's what I was saying. There's sort of certified levels of flight simulator technology uh, in the FAA environment, which is DAL, they call it, uh, DAL levels. of and, and, and when you see, like, these guys, in, you know, on the Boeing documentary or whatever, and they bring yeah. the captains in to see what happened in a full motion flight simulator, that's, like, the highest rated. It's a multi-million dollar simulator. And you're allowed to get, like, certified in flying a 737 in one of those things without ever actually flying a 737, for example, right? Wow. Um, and there's gradients everywhere down to actually a Microsoft flight simulator with the right hardware attached to it can certify certain procedural training. And to your question about, um, you know, what is it good for? Oh, the procedural training is indistinguishable. Like the, the only difference um, a Microsoft flight simulator on an IFR approach and and you in it is like feeling yourself bouncing around in the clouds. Other Otherwise, you're, you're following the needles in the exact same way. So speaking on like, you know, training and simulation and just like, you know, going from, from zero to a hundred in, in your ability to actually fly. Do you think that there is like necessarily, obviously you're, you're in the aviation world and you're figuring out how NFTs apply to it, you know, more so on the loyalty side, is there like a version of this where like flight schools adopt web three and they're like, Hey, you know, we've seen DAOs and communities form around people who have, like a certain interest and they learn through this, this DAO or this community, like how, how could NFTs be applied to like a flight school in a sense? Well, they can certainly be applied to the classic pilot logbook, right? And you can definitely see the logbook becoming a personal pilot block, right? That every time you start to log time and it's, you know, it, it, it aggregates to your block. And then that being basically a digital resume that allows you to plug and play into future network systems and then verify in a distributed trust way that you did fly all those hours. That actually so, fits yeah, well. very doxed idea, but there, there's how blockchain applies in, in the infrastructure of aviation. That fits really well too, because like, let's say you have enough hours to just fly like on your own and then have enough hours to fly like logistically and then like you reach your 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 precedent at which you can then fly commercial or qualify right and then like it's on a block it's on a blockchain that everyone can see there's no like fudging or fuddy-duddy that happens in the process that we all know unfortunately like can't happen in today's society yeah in the classic pilot logbook you could you could get a thousand hours with a big pen we used to say yeah, I mean, <laughs> you could also, um, you know, the, 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 I mean, I guess we can't expose everybody's hacks. Like, you know, there's things out here, you know, if you know some people with some plays and you're just sitting in that seat, you know, that's, that technically could get you some hours. Well, that's why it comes back to trusting the pilots that, you, that are actually flying the machinery. Cause if somebody faked their way with a, with a big pen logbook into your seat, as soon as they sat next to you, if you're a seasoned pilot, you'd understand. 
you, you, you know the difference real quick. Got it. Yeah. yeah. It's just like driving in that sense, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, even deeper. So, I mean, it's important to have a lot of experience in aviation. It's, we used to say, when I left Army flight school, the instructor said, hey, you're, you're leaving here with two bags. You know, one is hopefully pretty full of luck. And the other one is empty of experience. And he goes, you better hope that your experience bag fills up before your luck bag runs out. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a million of them. There are no, they're, they're old pilots and they're bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. <laughs> Very. Hey, I got to call Tom Cruise and tell him to uh, hire you for the next Maverick movie. <laughs> you know they're gonna. They're not gonna, not gonna call the top gun anymore. Like fifty. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll send them an NFT. Yeah, top yeah. <laughs> loyalty member. Top tier. There we go. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Connect Air. We'd love to have you in the future. We're gonna definitely check out the the open access that you have on your loyalty program, and um, definitely share that when this episode drops. And beyond that, man, thank you so much for for dropping by. Yeah, and if you shoot the Thunder Link too, we'd be really grateful. I know it's not your exact space, but you picked up on the cousin space that it's in, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all about distribution. We'll include all that in our uh, in our article write up. So, you, you, awesome. Thank you so much for taking. I'd love to meet you again in person. This is really fun. You've got great intuition. You got you got you got us you got a good beat on us for sure. So, you want to continue the conversation?